0: Welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, Podcast Number Eight. I'm your host Brian. With me tonight, I have a a new addition to our panel. At least occasionally, I have Eric. Hello. And as always, I have Ian. Hey. And and I have Sean.
1: I'm back once again.
0: And making her glamorous return, we have Jennifer. The
2: glamorous return. (laughs) Hello. Thank you. Give yes, yes, some, some of that feminine energy back.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. I took a brief. I
1: took a brief bird break.
0: All right. How's everybody yeah, doing good. this evening? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good to well. hear.
3: We're all sparkling with joy. Yeah,
0: sparkling with joy. It's <laughs> very twilight, i you.
3: Sparkling? Yep. That's what I was about to say, are we vampires?
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh so um this week i, I, I have a uh, my i have a quick announcement i want to let uh, people know if they're in denver that uh, skeptic camp is going to be happening this year uh, i think it's happening up in boulder um and it'll be happening on uh june 26th uh and uh, i put all a day. link yeah all day Yes, all day and i hope that uh, we'll be um that to participate in the uh podcasters meetup Right, and uh, so,
2: far, three of us are signed up to be there. So,
0: yep, that's good. So,
2: if you actually want to meet us live, that should be a place to do it.
0: Yep, we will. We will be there. So, hmm. so we're uh, we've got some uh, science and evolution news. New human-like species unveiled.
2: Yep. Oh, well, you know another one of the typical things that you know we keep finding that shows. That there are, there's been so many different um, human-like species out there, and this is you know another new one that is about 1.9 million years old, and shows more of the changes that happened through evolution. Um, Just another piece for the bigger puzzle, but it's you know another significant. Discovery that shows yes, you know, we, we humans came from a different form. We did change. We did evolve. There's more and more evidence of that. Out there every time we turn around, it, it's becoming more and more undeniable. But that won't keep people from pretending, you know. denying it. Right,
0: yeah. they're gonna deny it. So they're trying to figure out. This is australopithecus. Af- what? I'm not even gonna try to pronounce australopithecus sediba. Sediba. And so they're trying to figure out if this is uh um if it fits into Homo or if it is um which yeah. what or, or what's the other well, option? it's
2: saying it shares similarities between both humans and apes. You know, it's one of those missing link style fossils that um the deniers claim can never find.
0: Well great. Now you just create a few more gaps.
1: I. Uh, no matter how links
2: you find, there's always more links there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I saw something about this actually on, uh, I believe, an episode of Dateline where they were talking about the fact that this was found completely by chance. Some uh, there was a group out there and they turned over a rock and they found this face, the face, of, <laughs> the face of the skull in this rock, and you know they immediately they immediately got things together to actually preserve the site and pull out the fossils but it was just an amazing find
2: that would be both cool and freaky at the same time i would think so well
0: that's you know so what what is the major objection going to be from the creationists here
2: they'll use probably the same thing they generally do it you know it just was another species of ape that was out there that you know we're mis um categorizing
0: sure so nothing new.
2: That seems to be the general one we hear. You know?
0: mm-hmm. It's
2: been miscategorized. It's really not even close to being human. But
0: And as usual, know, they won't so. refute the actual evidence. They'll just try and subvert it.
2: Right. So All right. that's what I'm expecting, but still, you know, it's another one of those really impressive-looking finds. You know, it, it shows once more, you know, there were a lot of complex species out there. It we does come a long way.
0: It does raise some questions about which part of Africa um, humans may have uh, first evolved in, which I thought was interesting. Right. All right, Jen. You want to tell right. me about the moral life of? Oh, I'm sorry, Eric. No, go ahead. okay. You want to tell me about the moral life of babies?
3: Certain. Um, this was a rather long article, but I thought it was interesting that generally you kind of had this concept of children as innately evil that have to be corrected through culture and moral teachings and religion into you know decent human beings. I agree one hundred percent. If you were here, I'd kick you.
1: Uh, and if I were there, I wouldn't so, serve it.
3: <laughs> so this article is going into. Uh, first it talked a bit about how we can study what babies are thinking and so the general method is to watch where infants will leave their eyes resting for a long time. They like to notice things that are new and different and they will look in a direction where they're expecting things to show up and so that's how you study what babies are thinking by what they're paying attention to. And so it, it looked at what sorts of things you can expect babies to do in a a moral sense and how there's an evolutionary benefit to having certain general moral themes of, you know, let's help each other. and um, So I find it, and I think it's nice to see that science can tell us more about who we are as as a species and uh, kind of go counter to big myths out there about how people are, you know, as far as being good or... Being moral,
2: You know, well, I I like that at one point it got into the fact of talking about um, the difference between, um, what was it, moral and, oh, God, what did they use? But they they talked about, you know, could some of these actions be moral or is it just more, um, God, I'm trying to think of the word. It's not coming to me. Conditioning? Yeah. No, that's not right. (sighs) Instinct? No, let me see if I can find it. It, it. it was actually the exact same thing I was thinking of when I started reading this. It. like, well, it, how much of this stuff is more on how much of this would be classified as what they end up classifying Pashy. it as? No, <laughs> find it. You, know, you got seven pages to go through. That's I a know, but
0: here, like, here's ah. the thing. How much of it, I don't know, at what point are we reaching? I mean, how how much of this can we actually verify?
1: Well, let me go ahead and read the first paragraph of the article, which I found very interesting, Okay, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Um, Not at all. Not long ago, a team of researchers watched a one-year-old boy take justice into his own hands. The boy had just seen a puppet show in which one puppet played with the ball while interacting with two other puppets. The center puppet would slide the ball to the puppet on the right, who would pass it back. And the center puppet would slide the ball to the one on the left, who would run away with it. Then the two puppets on the ends were brought down from the stage and set before the toddler. Each was placed next to a pile of treats. At this point, the toddler was asked (laughs) to take a treat away from one puppet. Like most children in this situation, the boy took took it from the pile of the naughty one. But this punishment wasn't enough. He then leaned over and smacked the puppet in the head. (laughs) Like that kid. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I, mean, that's I thought that was really interesting, and I, I pondered on whether it was a it was a moral reaction or whether he'd made the determination that the one who was the one who was on the left, the one who was the naughty puppet, wasn't wasn't being a proper caretaker, possibly, or just wasn't playing right. But either way, it all comes down to there was a judgment made, and there was a clear judgment made by this one year old child.
0: That is interesting. Exactly.
1: Okay, um, my wife pointed me out to or pointed out to me a video in which a, uh, a an infant is sitting in a chair and playing with mom okay and mom's smiling and making faces at the baby baby's enjoying it um and then the second take same mother same child the mom's not smiling she doesn't smile she doesn't react and the baby does everything in its repertoire to try to Please mom
3: Elicited verse yeah
1: and then freaks out completely because mom's not reacting until mom reacts and it was uh, it was interesting
3: to watch.
0: All right.
3: Uh, well, not only will they react to facial expressions, but they won't react to inanimate objects the way they react to faces. We're wired pretty early on to respond to faces and expressions and the give and take of conversation.
0: Well, and that, has, that goes back to pareidolia.
3: So for all of you who don't know much about kids, yes.
0: Oh, uh, I can't
2: find it. Well, it's I could through seven pages <laughs> with the stuff. Oh. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's why we to see get
2: that the... reaction going again when I first read it. And it's like, what was I thinking? Because they said it later on. It's exactly what I was thinking. Is this morality or is this something else? And I can't remember oh. what is, something else is now. And they said it later on. They actually had the same argument I was coming up with, which I thought was great. It's like, what, you know, like...
4: Was it this? <laughs> Babies and toddlers might not know or exhibit any of these moral subtleties. Their sympathetic reactions and motivations, including their desire to alleviate the pain of others, may not be much different in kind from purely non-moral reactions and motivations like growing hungry or wanting to avoid a full bladder. Is it that what was, you're talking
2: about? It was along that way of thinking, but there's a word for... And and they used it somewhere in here. It was the same word that came to me. They used it somewhere. It was that that line of thinking. How much of this is moral and how much of this is a level of instinct that is is just part of surviving? Because some of the logic is this. um, Is there a moral thing to desire to be around people that are more giving? Because you know they're talking about the puppet, the, the puppets that help are the ones they favor. Well, of course you're going to you want to be around the people that are going to help you. It might it might not be a moral issue. It might be a very selfish thing. That person's right. helping that uh, every, other people out. That person's hurting other people. I'm going to say I, I I want to be around the person that's helping. I want to favor him. It's not a moral thing. You're not doing it for moral reasons. So you're it's a group it survival.
0: It's a group survival you know, tactic. The,
2: the, the, right, and that becomes right. moral.
0: You which know, which there's a gene for you're you know. About,
1: Here's the question that I want to throw out there. Was the okay. hit an instinctive reaction, or did somebody teach that baby to hit?
2: That sounds more like a topic. <laughs> that, that's, when I read that, that's what popped in my head. That, that sounded more like something you were taught.
0: Well, hopefully they that tested. That kind of
2: sounded like that to me, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hopefully they tested more than one at child. At least they
2: didn't At, at
0: least so they the didn't answer,
1: make him no. a biter. Bye-bye.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But no, so some of the stuff we consider moral, stuff like thou shalt not kill, it's a general rule in all societies. And it's not necessarily moral, it's survival.
3: A group a group society cannot function if you're going around killing each other. Right. So. Well, they mentioned also the slight differences that you'll see between um, communities, large-scale communities with market economies, where you're much more likely to have concepts of being nice to strangers don't be unfair because they've got economies that work on being nice to strangers. Right. So so definitely the survival led to moral codes that got elaborated on as time went by.
2: So now the term moral and morality have always been to me these rather vague things because there is a level of what is called morality that it doesn't fit with the idea of what forms are. It fits more with common sense and just if I'm going to make it from day to day, I have to follow the right. But common
3: sense not always true or common <laughs> <laughs>
0: or makes any sense.
3: Here's
1: or makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Here's another question about the article that I think is it's kind of an interesting, kind of off the uh, off the subject question. But I wonder where the decision to make the left hand puppet the evil one was.
3: <laughs> hey, was that an
1: instinctive thing on the part of the puppeteer? We we've always considered the left hand to be the well. It's it's even the side of <laughs> It's referred to as the sinister. Okay. Is it the puppeteer's yeah. left or the baby's left?
0: So why wasn't this well, done was double blind? Why 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 wasn't this a double blind test? Why did the researcher know which one was on which finger? <laughs> well, I want this. I want this double blind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to know which
4: puppet's supposed to be the mean one. <laughs> Actually, they they did say that the uh, researcher was dealing with the baby didn't know, so they couldn't give him verbal, uh, facial cues. So he didn't baby. know
0: which one was which.
1: There you go.
0: And he just yeah, chose which on his finger which one research. he was going to make mean. Interesting. Huh?
1: So it was double blind. You just want it triple blind.
0: Okay, I want it I want to I want it so blinded that by the time we're done. <laughs> No, okay, so that's good. we do so,
2: so what they were doing the
0: whole time. That's right, and then we'll just make up what the well, data says at the end.
1: Good news. The good news, Brian, is that the puppets didn't know initially which one was going to be the evil one. and which one was be the evil one. Okay, In I feel, fact, getting okay. smacked came as a complete surprise to that puppet. <laughs> and when Kermit was evil, he was surprised too.
0: Uh, Kermit's a drinker.
1: Yeah, Brian, we you know about right. that, don't you?
0: All right. I wonder if the researcher had allergies <laughs> Moving to any of on. the puppets.
3: <laughs> that was a wonderful segue. Hey, here.
0: thanks. You know, I try.
3: All right, the next next article is mine. Um, it's mentioning uh, it's about people with food allergies and it says a large percentage of people who think they have food allergies probably don't because they think the incidence of actual food allergies with a immune response is only about 8%. And we're seeing up to 30% of people saying they have food allergies. So, people confusing things like an intolerance. Um, People who are lactose intolerant aren't actually allergic to milk, but they do have a reaction when they drink milk because they can't process the sugar in it. So, yeah,
0: I thought that was pretty interesting. Once again, to have for it to be an actual allergy, it has to create an immune response. So, just you know, upsetting your stomach when you eat something or or something like that would not be an allergy. Necessarily, but when Connection. you break out, yeah, if you're breaking out in hives and stuff like that, and having an immune response, I would go, of course, how do how do you tell if it's an immune response or not without blood work? The only way
1: that there is seems well, to be even that the,
2: blood-
1: the only way to tell <laughs> is that if it actually if it actually produces IgE antibodies.
2: Well, no. If you read the article, even that's not necessarily enough. Right. The article says really the only way to test it is to actually give the people a small dose of what they think they may be allergic to and see if they respond properly to it. Um, they're saying that even or if in- the blood even if the blood work comes back positive, that might not be enough because it, that might just mean um, you know.
3: It, I forget how they phrased
2: it, but they were saying um, that can...
3: You wouldn't show a response, basically. You could have the antibodies floating around. Um, Yeah, so... Two of our children did have actual um, food allergies, and they did break out in hives and have allergic reactions, um, pretty mild. And they did do the blood testing, um, but they both outgrew their allergies within a couple years. And so they still have the antibody running around in their bloodstream, but the chances of them having an actual full-blown reaction is only like 2%. So it's not something we concern ourselves with. And from what
2: my wife has said, working with you, Jen, at the daycare, it sounds like there's so many kids out there right now that come in being told, you guys are being told they have food allergies. And it's hard, you know, how many of them really do you wonder? Because it seems like it's such an increasing thing every time
3: we turn around. Yeah, exactly. Well, and
0: how many of them are self diagnosed? Well, like anything,
3: you'll see. <laughs> yeah, that I, I mean, too. I mean, I guess the question is—is—is
1: is, is, is the I guess the question is just simply is food allergies a trendy diagnosis? Therefore, there's confirmation bias on the part of the doctors.
0: Well, see, I, that's what I would wonder. That
3: would huh. yeah. Confirmation bias on, on the part of doctors. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. the truth,
0: no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, in, in, but it sounds like you know going through this that you know the the testing is kind of um, hit and miss, and you know that you actually have to feed it to them and then see what the response is. And, and so they're they're scared to do that right. with stuff like peanuts and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, but still, then that's the only way to, to you know if you want proof positive you have it. That's saying that's the only real way to know.
0: Well, and that, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So what's going to happen when the aliens get here, Ian? <laughs> um, This has been beat to death, by the way. This has been (laughs) beat to death.
2: Hopefully all our listeners have actually heard um, about Hawking's proclamation about... um Extraterrestrial contact. I think he watched
4: but, Independence Day before writing this. I, you know <laughs> what? I wonder. <laughs>
2: but I, I have to, you know, he's a brilliant man. If it, this was mathematics, I would bow down and, you know, say I, I couldn't even possibly argue with you on it. But in this case, I'm completely disagreeing with him. Sure. It
0: does seem to
4: be a little out of his purview.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's pure conjecture.
2: Yeah. Well, also, if let's take his example. His example is Columbus landing in America. Uh, when Columbus landed in America the first time, he landed. Um, there, there was with no first the, the time. Pure, um, he never landed. He never landed. Uh, st- <laughs> when he came to America the first time, he, is,
4: on
0: Haiti. Um, he, he never, never came the new world. to America. America. Okay, the new oh. world. We're we'll going with the new world. When All right, okay, new okay. World, We're going to let you for slide. The first
2: time, <laughs> it was an exploration thing. He didn't have. He wasn't there to conquer. He wasn't there to start problems. He was there to um, find a way to make money. And, practically speaking, on that first voyage especially, he wasn't being sent with a whole bunch of military, um, yeah, with a whole bunch of, uh, I know I'm trying to stay and it's not coming out right. He, he didn't arrive with any means to conquer because it wasn't practical. I think if aliens were to land on Earth and really visit us, they would land with no means of military um, superiority over us. Why? Because sp- um, space travel is a pretty complicated thing. You are not going to send a spacecraft um, out into space with a whole bunch of military equipment in it because, for the
0: most part, there's no rational reason to do that. Okay. Here's the thing, though. And, I, I think that it is, you know, the, I don't know, 50 50-50. It depends on the alien that lands here, and it depends on which religious sector they're, worth, they're with.
2: <laughs> <I think so. laughs> Practically speaking, if you look at it from a purely practical standpoint, it's, it, it, it's irrational to send up a spacecraft filled with um, tanks, guns, anything like that. We wouldn't do it because every pound you send up into space costs fuel. And
1: Okay, but you're assuming that space travel is still complicated for these advanced species. Another another point I'd like to make, though, is that when Columbus first landed in the New World, he was not expecting to find a a virgin territory. He was expecting to hit the civilized Indies. He was basically expecting to find a another path to uh, another civilization. So, no, he wasn't going to conquer. He was going to trade. He was going to trade with people that we've already traded with or his people had already traded with. He was just trying to find a less complicated way to get there.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, but even after that, the first few trips to the New World were not set up to conquer. They were set up to conquistadors well, you know, started pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I mean, it did, but it took a little while. It, it wasn't the easy thing to get going because there still was a practicality to it. Well, of how yeah. much military yeah. might can we actually send over there? Come on, it was,
0: the key it,
4: question, it, of course, <laughs> is: uh, Are we going to succumb to their diseases, or are they going to succumb to ours?
0: There you go. <laughs> oh, see, that's a very there good point. Go. Exactly. Well, another
1: point, though, that my concern is the aliens we've already had here, or supposedly we've already had here, have wanted to do, you know, only a certain specific number
2: of things. Probe people, up-
0: and up- and up- up- the,
2: people the, the implant the pe- people, or slow dance with people. <laughs> the perverted peeping Tom.
0: <laughs> well, Jeff Peckman I love, says that they've been I, here.
1: I personally love Je- Douglas Adams talking about teasers. Teasers are aliens who go to right. un, un, unspace-worthy planets, and they land in front of some poor schmuck that nobody's ever going to believe and walk around in front of them wearing antennas and making beep-beep noises.
4: Uh. Practical jokers.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> I agree with the first commenter uh, that uh, exactly what resources do we have here that the aliens would need that's not readily available in space?
2: No, yeah. see, that's the other thing. I, I, I honestly think if advanced alien species Wait. were to come here... We could work out something better for them than, than take over the Earth. Like, you know, we, we have Mars and the moon. You guys could probably colonize them. Let's work together and do that. <laughs> New space. We'll work with you on that.
4: I think we have is organic life. So unless they're like you know the visitors what, and be...
3: Uh, yes, <laughs> we should put together like a commission <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you, a commission you.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and a, an extraterrestrial
0: <laughs> affairs commission that would set up a landing port and have those have those raw um, materials ready for when they land. We need to predict what the aliens need and be ready so that they don't have to invade the planet. We'll just hand it over at the landing spot <laughs> and let's and let's make it in denver you know it should be in colorado this is where we need to host the extraterrestrial affairs commission in fact let's let the taxpayers of denver pay for it as well really
2: yep <laughs> <laughs> really Are you yes. that? really yes. Are any of us actually going to vote for this measure? Well, we don't. We don't, don't, don't get. It's.
0: It's. It's I not wish. us. This is. We don't get to unless you you're in Denver County. Anymore. This is Denver County.
4: I thought none of you live there, in. Yeah,
0: no, I don't think uh, any yeah, of us are in Denver. Uh, we're all in.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so w- We should move just so we could vote against
0: it. <laughs> 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 so Brian and Baxter from Morning Radio, uh, um, they they were on um, uh, Fox Thirty One News. And uh, they, you know, and, and so is Jeff Peckman. And Jeff Peckman is, of course, the guy who's trying to set this up. We, we've talked about this before. Then he And he um, managed to get this on the ballot, which, of course, he had to use a lot of trickery to do. Um, and it, it's funny. His claims I, I, I did find quite interesting. Um, you know, they, they go through a couple of the things that um, Brian and Baxter have gone through um, as far as to, you know, to uh, – debunk what what these people are saying they had a picture that of a pterodactyl that this guy said that the aliens took him back in time so that he could take the picture and they went and found it in a book and there was another picture that they went and found and they've done and and they went through those things and you know all jeff peckman could say is that there are a bunch of ghost hunters who all they want to do is get their own show and my thought was how many ghost hunters get shows that come out and say there's no evidence for ghosts, we will investigate, but we have found no evidence. Those people don't get shows. So Jeff, Pe- so that was Jeff Peckman's main thing that he talked about. You know, I mean, the, he, I mean, they, they, there was some banter about. You know, um, Brian and Baxter said that he was, you know, uh, his claims were just bogus, basically. And so this, and I, when I saw this article, I didn't realize that it was from the Examiner. And this is, you know, the, the this is the Denver Examiner, and you know, so. It, it's not real news, if I, if I can be so bold. Um, but they say that Fox Thirty One has been deceived, and the, the language in here is just is just terrible. And and I actually, you know, they might actually have a point. I don't know. Um, there's Brian and Baxter are saying that this could cost um, $22,000 um, twenty The taxpayers of Denver 22000 $22, dollars a year. And that putting the, mallet, the, the measure on the ballot is going to cost $100,000. I, I don't know if any of that's true. And apparently the, um, um, Brian Bonner wrote to um, – who did he write to? He wrote Schultz. to somebody um, – to Director Schultz, Schultz. Uh. Schultz. Yeah, to so the Budget Director Schultz. And and but Budget Director Schultz's um, response was that this would not come out of the general fund if if he couldn't. He's supposed to raise grant money, donations, and gifts. If he could not do that, um, Brian Bonner was saying that it would come out of the general fund, basically. And Schultz has said that that is not the case; that it would not come out of the general fund. So it, so that may it may not be true that um, um, that that the funding would have to come that way. There just might be no funding for the project if he can't if he can't raise Work. it through grants.
2: Yeah, if that's the case, I'm not sure how much I'm against it. It's like if these guys want well, to be set up official and be you know, paying the, this whole thing themselves, who really cares?
0: They're, yeah, but they're looking um, for the, the blessing does- of the city. That My problem with this is that not, you're, you're asking the city basically to to sanction what you're saying without evidence. Jeff Peckman has supplied no tangible evidence for the existence oh, yeah. of aliens. It's all anecdotes that he that he's basing I- this off of.
1: I thought that this whole project, the uh, the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission, I thought it was supposed to be funded with uh, the 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 influx of money from parking meters and illegally parked saucers.
0: <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Oh, well, I, I, you, you know what? The, I've been downtown uh, recently, and there was no saucer parking at all.
1: Pick up on top of the roof. Well, then it seems like there'd be an awful lot of illegally parked saucers,
0: wouldn't there? <laughs> So I, as I was reading this, man, I'm like, you know, because like I said, I didn't realize who the source was. I'm reading this. I'm going, oh, my God. And uh, and there was one line in here that just really got me, if I can find it. Um,
2: well, you also have to consider that the person who wrote this article is Jeff Peckman himself. Oh, like, so he's, there's definitely beyond belief going to be bias. Wait,
0: he's the author? Yes. Oh, let's see. Okay. That, that's what it is. So he he said there there's a really good line in here um, that basically this is the that that Brian and, and Baxter are using trickery to to keep the voters from voting for the measure. They're using trickery. Yeah, where was that line? Yeah, he okay. said
2: that a few times, if I recall. And but- him writing
1: a biased article is not trickery.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't realize who the source was. I mean, I should I should have known. I mean, it's just it was just so bad.
2: Yeah, you can cl- up on top if you click on his little picture, you will get, I believe, a listing of the other articles he's written, which are okay. rather interesting to skim through. So
0: this is written by him. See, I didn't realize that either. I didn't look at the author. Um,
2: what well, he's written uh, looks like 18 articles so far for the Examiner, all basically focusing on his um, goals to get his little agenda going.
0: Okay, so, so here, yeah, here it is. Um, the recent deceptions by Bonner and Baxter is consistent with their nearly two-year opposition with opposition with trying to trick voters into rejecting <laughs> the ETA Commission ballot initiative. Their methods have mostly included amateur hoax and misrepresentations of the facts. Well, there is no facts to misrepresent. Number one, Jeff Peckman has supplied nothing, and, and the and what Brian Abaster did was hilarious when um, they heard that um, Jeff Peckman and it. And now it's it's Stan Romanak who is claimed to see the aliens. Jeff Peckman has never seen one. So, so once again, he's never seen an alien. All he has is anecdotes. Um, and Stan right. Romanak is the one that's always seeing him and always taking pictures. And we've gone over some of the pictures.
2: Oh, they haunt him.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And so when they found out that he was going to put, gonna put that, um, that picture up, they, they spent about 80 bucks to come up with their own alien picture. And that's the one, you know, with the thing, the alien looking in, you know, in the window with the blinking right. eyes and everything. And is—and they did a really good job. I mean, it's – you can tell, though, I mean, when you really start to examine it, the way the alien moves away from the window and stuff is um, – it's too uh, um, stiff. But they did an excellent job of putting that together and – What's funny is that when this, when the, uh, when Stan Romanak's uh, picture came out, I mean, it, it, it's a glare in the window. That's it. It is nothing more than that. It is a glare, and he claims that he has, uh, that he has actual video that he's not releasing. That they're keeping for the documentary. Right. We've talked about all this, yeah, a, we've gone over this. so podcasts. so this so 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 I, I I did not realize that, you know, I saw this picture up there. so he so, so this is just, you know, um Jeff Peckman, um, trying to, you know, it's just so funny because they had they were the ones that had to use trickery and a lot of their a lot of their uh, um, signatures had to be thrown out um, that they were getting people to sign to get this initiative on the ballot and even if it costs nothing I I still don't think without evidence there's no reason for the city to sanction this and that's all he's asking for is is the blessing of the city essentially that you know that for for if he's going to do this on grants and everything just go do it.
1: Well, they had to throw out a lot of those signatures because they couldn't actually verify the population of planet Melvore 7.
0: <laughs> Do you their... the
4: name of Bonner's group?
0: The yeah, Union, the MIB. Bureaucracy? Yeah. MIB. Yeah. Yes. You know, they're good guys.
1: Remember the motto of the Bureau of Extraterrestrial Affairs? In space, no one can hear you scream in ecstasy. And what happens off Earth stays off Earth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so Jeff Peckman's at it. You know, he's – but I I don't know. I I got this, you know, because I have a Google Alert set up. And so that – so I didn't even – so I just read the article. I didn't even look at, you know, where it was from or anything. And then after I did, because I wrote Brian, I wrote it back and said, I should have considered the source on this. (laughs) So, all right. What do we
1: got here? So Brian, I guess my question is, what were you thinking? I don't know. I, I don't I'm know breathing. what I was thinking. I don't know. And coincidentally, the title of our next segment in sociology is What, what were, were You, you thinking?
0: thinking? Yeah. No, this was good. I, I really I really enjoyed um I, I watched the whole thing. Did you watch the Eric? Yeah, I did. Yep. I oh, watched it
1: with my jaw agape because I was absolutely amazed. The the this was a dateline NBC show and it was all about people's tendency to follow the herd and the herd mentality to follow the follow what the rest of the herd was doing the first test they did was they basically did a smoke-filled room test they put people in the room on their own let smoke in under the door and people would you know get up and take off because you don't stay in a room that's filling with smoke
0: was that the first test so then they put people in a
1: room with other people who were not reacting to the smoke and the people that were not in the know looked at the people who were in the know, like, okay, well, they're not reacting. One person actually got up and checked the door, looked at the smoke coming on from under it, and then went back and continued filling out its paperwork <laughs> because of the urgency to to follow what the herd is doing. Right. And they asked him about this afterwards, and he's like, well, everybody else seemed like they were all right with it. So I figured I'd be okay, too. To
2: and he, he also said he was afraid that if you know he didn't do it, he wouldn't look as good as them. Because here they are you know, being much more dedicated. And it's like, oh, well, I better be as dedicated as them if I want to get the job. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the setup yeah. was that they were doing a job. They were filling out job applications, and these were his competition. Yeah. You
2: know. So there's definitely that level there as well. You know, following the herd and being competitive. Yeah, you, know, you can't let them outdo you.
1: The uh, the second part of the segment was basically people were induced to follow an authority figure even when being instructed to do something that was clearly clearly wrong.
0: Well, yeah, that was the last. Um, they were test.
1: basically asked to deliver electric shocks to somebody in the next room, and even when the person in the next room was screaming. Now they weren't actually shocking this man, but he was he was in the room screaming so that they would have something to think that they were shocking him with um even when they were even when they were hearing him scream though the person who was in authority in the room kept saying well no we need you to continue and some of the people uh and interestingly enough it was all the men that they were testing the men continued on through the entire series of shocks even after the guy stopped screaming in the next room (laughs)
2: And they were told that if he doesn't reply you know after 20 seconds just you know give him the shock and move up to the next one.
0: Well, and the guy in the room was just the so good. Yeah. Is a game show producer. Yeah, and he was and he was yeah. fabulous. I mean, he he was he was he was a stone <laughs> and he just said continue. <laughs> it was like Oh yeah,
1: you're like we need you to continue, please. <laughs> no, I, we really need to continue. Go no, ahead, yeah. it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> the women, the first woman they did refused to deliver a single shock. She said, "No, I'm not interested in this. I'm in, and I'm going home." The second woman went a few shocks, and when it started getting when it started getting to the point where the person was screaming, she started looking really agitated. So they went ahead and let her know what was going on. The third woman went part of the way through and said, "No, I can't do this anymore." is he all right in there right but the two
0: guys that they showed the
1: entire series of
4: shots. Yeah. No. I believe there was one when they didn't really show showcase her much but that did go all the way
0: yeah I think there was there, yeah there was one you know and that was okay. interesting I thought that the first one that they did was interesting too. Um, where where they had the guy doing the three card Monty. and so they had you know oh yes
1: I forgot yeah about the so that's the Monty.
0: first one, and they have the guy out there doing the three card Monty, and of course they have a dateline employee who's betting and winning, and so all the other people see, and um and of course you know they come up well if that person's winning I can I can win and of course they put their money in and they lose, and and this and that's and how they would
1: they would put down their money if somebody who is dressed like them was winning.
0: Well, they didn't even go into that. The if, well, if anybody was winning, they everybody came up. And, you know, they didn't show anybody walk away from that. And I thought that was really interesting because this is the same mentality that they use, and they also did this. You know, the, the same kind of thing with with the psychic. Um, tests that they did where, you know, they, they, they basically, you know, convinced the person that they were psychic and uh, that they were going to need a little bit more right, training yeah. and that all they had to do was give up, um, their day's wages and, you know, and they would get their training and, you know, and most of them fill out the form except for one guy who's like, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, everybody else filled out the form, you know, cause they're like, well, you know, it, you know, because, you know, the, the gain looked like it was worth the loss. And I, I found this interesting because these are the same mentalities that, um, like these guys who sell real estate do, um, uh, um, you know, that, that come through and they do these real estate things. And they, you know, you walk into the room and they tell you that, you know, you guys are really smart for being here and, um, that uh, exactly. you know that you're the top, you know you're you'll be a member of the top one percent of America, you know, because okay. this is how money is made and yada yada. And they go in and you know they tell you what everybody yada, else yada, so is going to tell you you know that they're so stupid, you know, because they're not here right now and you're going to be a millionaire. And they and they go through and it's the same spiel. They make you feel special and you're stupid if you if you don't sign up and you know and give them their money for their training. And it's the same scam.
2: Yeah. Well. It's- you know, I'm sure all of us still from time to time get the emails from someone we've never heard about overseas who somehow has a billion dollars, and if we're willing to help them, they'll share it with us.
3: I need to tell a story. Um, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this, uh, but I did actually spend a weekend at Bob Jones University. I went with a church group that I hung out with when I was in high school, and um one of the things we did there, because it was kind of a come-see-the-school, we were seniors. Um, we sat in on a few classes, and I was in a psychology class. And I don't remember what subject they were covering, but at some point the teacher's like, Well, that sounds like you guys. You're all pretty smart in here, aren't you? You guys are all geniuses, and it was totally talking up <laughs> the people in this classroom. And it stands out in my mind as like, One of the most ridiculous moments of my life that this guy is, like, buttering up his students to make them think they're wonderful. Keep that cult mentality, I like being here sort of thing going on. And
0: you're special for being here. And the next
1: thing he wants is just a little more of their money.
0: Exactly.
2: But some of the mentality um, shown here is similar to the mentality that we see in people who go to a certain church because their family's always gone there or follow a certain political view because their family's always followed it. Yeah.
3: Or are they always going at get coffee on Tuesdays because, you know, that's what we do.
2: Yeah. And and there's a lot of human behavior that is that habitual where, you know, well, my family's always just done it that way. I've never thought twice. I've never, you know, sat back and said, do I really agree with all this or is this how I want to do things? We just do it because that's the way we were brought up. That's the way, you know, the habits we've gotten into and so, you know, some of the herd mentality does come from that kind of um, upbringing. Absolutely. Yeah. Complacency. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, you know, in in some ways, you know, they talk about in here that, and a lot of times, you know, it, it, it's, it's about safety too, you know, because everybody in the room should react to the smoke in a similar fashion. Everybody should say, this is a problem. We must deal with it. And in that case, the herd is acting appropriately. But when the herd doesn't act appropriately, except you know, then every, then that the minority acts inappropriately like the rest of the herd, which was interesting. They they show this with fish and with um, deer and stuff like that. That they kind of have, have a voting process. That you know, when they're going to turn or run or go in a different direction, that you know, um, so many of them will will make a vote to go in a certain direction, and then when enough of when it hits a certain amount, then they all go. And so we see this with animals as well. Yes, we do. All right.
4: On the subject of the uh, psychic test, mm-hmm. uh, did you guys notice that part about uh, only three percent of people could get this far? And we're all gamers here, right? So, is anyone else thinking that's below chance?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that was the whole thing that you know that this person is special. You know that they, they had they have shined amongst everybody else that has been tested. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Tell me about toddlers oh, it and was TV. Great,
1: it was a great manipulation.
0: Absolutely. So now tell me about manipulating toddlers with TV. <laughs>
3: um, this article was uh, it was a blog piece from the New York Times looking at a study in Canada. It's a study of more than 1,300 Canadian school children. And so they started looking at these children when they were toddlers to track how much TV they watched. And then they would kind of check up on them and um, see how much TV they were watching at the age of five. And then they looked at them around fourth grade to look at academic performance, health, and uh, whether they're having other problems in school. And so uh, they said that they corrected for um, factors like mother's education, whether the children were in a single parent family, and uh, other parenting concerns. And after correcting for those things, they found a correlation between the amount of television um, above and beyond, what was it, 14 hours per week um, that toddlers were watching and lower performance in school. Um, of course, I, I kind of skimmed through the first time, and my first thought was, yeah, but what about other family factors? But they say they corrected for some of that. Well, but I think that there's a certain amount of family culture of the kind of families that watch more TV might not be the kinds of families who focus on, you know, mm-hmm. going to museums and stuff well, like that.
2: Well, the one thing that struck me is they're trying to say that the kids that watch more TV suffered about 10% more bullying by classmates, which seems to be they're trying to suggest that TV somehow led to the bullying. I would be willing to bet the other way around. No, But and but you look at what they're talking about. I'm. Yeah. My, my guess is uh, the, the kids that are going to watch more TV are the ones who, grin, who are going to be bullied to begin with. They're going to be bullied. They're going to have a yeah. depressed state, and they'll find the TV to be basically a comfort zone. And then everything else starts fitting in place. If you're depressed, you're going to be less likely to participate in class. You're going to have lower math grades because you're not going to be as motivated to do it. You're going to consume more food. You know All this stuff... To, to me, the TV wasn't the cause, if you read oh, through it. Yeah. That, that's, that's the main thing I saw. The TV is not the cause. The article seems to be trying to suggest the TV is the cause, All right. Eric, but I don't see evidence of that.
4: But Ian, uh, they're comparing TV watching as an infant to how they're doing now. So they weren't being bullied as infants, they're being bullied now.
2: But, well, but also, if you read it, they don't, they, they don't show a pro- progressive. They're saying that the, the ones who are watching more TV are the ones who are being bullied more. And it, it doesn't say that the TV came first. It suggests that, but it doesn't say that. And nowhere in here can you find them saying that, oh, they started watching TV, and that's what led to all this. They suggest it, but there's no evidence. How much and- of this
0: is correlation doesn't equal causation, though?
2: Well, it's a correlation. Well, exactly.
3: Exactly.
1: I think we can all agree, though, that Canadian TV is not good for kids.
0: Uh, that, that was my problem with the whole thing is like it has no
1: impact on Americans whatsoever. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, what American Does is watching Canadian, Canadian TV, TV? can't
1: be any good because all the good Canadian actors come south. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I think that this is – that there's some correlation doesn't equal causation here and that they probably need to look a little deeper. Um, And I think that looking into the to the parents and how they did in school and, you know, and what, you know, what their current level of academia is and not even necessarily academia, but how much do their parents read? How much, you know, I mean, those are the kinds of things that I would want to know. I'll bet that that the the heavy TV watchers have parents that are heavy TV watchers and the ones that watch less TV, I would suspect, you know, that, that their parents read more.
3: Yeah, we know that children model a lot of their behavior on what they're seeing around them. Um, NPR was doing a piece about people texting while driving and uh, what kind of risky behaviors teenagers will partake in. And if they're seeing their parents doing all sorts of risky behaviors, they're much more likely to follow that model. So. True. Yeah. yeah it, it We didn't get enough information to really chew this up
0: but no and that's unfortunate people because are to
3: go, tv is bad right and yeah, that's how the they present
0: the article i'm sorry eric go ahead
4: a link to the source would a link to-
0: yeah
3: right like i said it's a, just a, a blog about the study
1: well and when i was reading this i kept thinking about that line from the movie the cable guy we have to kill the babysitter okay referring to the tv
0: oh um, okay sure
1: the The cable guy in question was somebody who was actually...
4: I I think maybe Mac was the only one who saw that one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe.
2: maybe. (laughs) Quite possibly.
0: All right. So are, are we still drawing Muhammad or not?